engagement in action. I won't lie, the process was so emotional for me because I had to now go back to that year. So very often people will use the opportunity to tell one of the most significant stories of their life. Discovering the relationships between Rhodes University and the communities that surround it. The phrase they use absolutely sums it up and that is, listen deeply, tell stories. unknown, fear of failing, fear of getting it all wrong, fear of failing. I'm Cindy Tingana, born and bred here, I work for Upstart, I'm the project coordinator. How the mentality of failing can take away so much from you. You lose your confidence and self-trust. This is how I feel. The story that I told, it's called uh, Facing Fear. It's how I came in terms with the fact that I failed my metric in 2011. Flashing down in front of my eyes. And I want to do crossfade into the next shot. So right. what do I do? I click on the one that I want to use. Yeah, and you pull it down. Uh, and you pull it down, actually. There you go. Put it in. I'm Jane VG. I come from a background of broadcast, television. I lecture third-year television students. And I also work for the Erasmus Common Good First program, facilitating digital storytelling workshops. Okay, so let's just see your... Let's just go back to your media. Oh, there you go. Yeah. My initial question leapt into my head. What is digital storytelling? I had absolutely no idea what it was, other than some kind of inkling of it being a multimedia type of story. And as a, as a journalist, that brought up images of stories being produced using video and sound and, and voiceover. So when I started researching, I was quite surprised to find that there was this movement of personal narrative digital stories being created by individuals and communities. So it's just uploading that to your media. And then, then I can drag it in and... That's it. Yeah, and then put it in the space where I want. Yes. I'm Pam Sykes. I am an independent digital storyteller facilitator. I've been doing it for about 10 years. And then you go I'm just going to check on the timeline as well, how they, how they work together. You might have to put the transition onto video. There's a very broad understanding of digital storytelling, which is everything from the New York Times to this podcast to anything somebody may do on YouTube. But then um, we work with a very particular subset of digital storytelling. Um, it was developed in California in the 1990s, essentially as a kind of a community arts practice. So it's a marriage between uh, community filmmaking and, uh, and the digital. So it's a process where you take a group of people who are not professional storytellers or photographers through a workshop and support them in taking a story from their own lives and producing it as a very short film. The focus with this particular digital storytelling embodiment is through group work. So we have what we call a story circle and immediately then people are able to connect to one another. So they form bonds through sharing. From that process, we then, as facilitators, we encourage people to start thinking about the, the stories that they want to tell. The first paragraph is written. So these are done individually. And then that first paragraph of the story is shared with the story circle. And then the, the, the participants in the story circle provide feedback. So they already know what each other's story is going to be about. We had a story circle where we were now all involved and you were asked questions like, why did you do that story and all that. I was in denial, you know, and I remember how I used to, to act like I didn't care about it. 
But um, actually I did, and it had a lot of impact in me not wanting to go back to school because I was in constant fear of what if I go back to school and I, I fail again. After they share that first paragraph from, from the exercise, they'll then proceed to write their script. And a digital story script could be anything from approximately 250 to 300 words. Um, we encourage story participants to produce storyboards so they know how to match what they're saying to their visuals. So they'll use pictures from their past. Um, they might then go and take uh, new footage or photographs or whatever their story is about. Then we show them very simple editing, a video editing software, and we help them to create their own stories. We don't edit their stories for them. I'll fix that. Uh, I thought this was this could be expanded still, but okay. I'll kind of crop the, the image. So it really is that individual's own creative process. So very often people will use the opportunity to tell one of the most significant stories of their life. It will often be something that the person has never spoken about before, um, which is what gives them a lot of their power. You see, it's never easy to accept failure, especially if you know yourself and what you're capable of. I failed and there was nothing I could do about it. Mm. I, I won't lie, the process was so emotional for me because I had to now go back to that year. Myself wouldn't let me go back. I just couldn't. I remember sitting outside with Uchein, telling her that actually I'm not sure if this is a story I want to do. I want to do it, but now it's taking me back. It's making me emotional. She told me that um, I didn't need to do the story if I'm not comfortable with it. And that it was my choice if I still want to go through. Because by speaking openly about it now, um, then it might be a healing for me as well. And then I might be able to go forward. You know, so I decided right there that actually, you know what, I'm going to do this story, even if it means I'm, I'm, I'm trying all the way. Not all questions will be answered at school. Sometimes you find the answers as you go along. So the majority of the workshops that we do here um, at Rhodes are facilitated through the Community Engagement Centre. And the digital storytelling project that we have been working on over the last three years aims at working with sort of three stakeholder groups. So you've got your, your students, also the student volunteers. We have worked with community partners and we've also worked with academics. And it's often a mix of those people in groups. So what it does, it A, is giving people an opportunity to have stories expressed and listened to. I think the, the listening part is a really important part of the whole process. And I think it can really help to equalize power relationships between academic researchers, for example, a university and a, a community like Grahamstowns, as much as it gives universities an access into communities, whether it be for research or for student practice. It gives communities a way to speak back to universities. Rock, can I have your attention now? <laughs> Good afternoon, colleagues. For those who don't know me, my name's Diana Hornby, and I'm the director of the Community Engagement Office. So today we gathered here to launch the Rhodes University Social Innovation Hub. A very exciting day for all of us, a day that we've worked towards for three years. This was the initiative that was born out of a three-year research and development process called the Common Good First Project. 
This is an international collaboration. My name's Julie Adair. I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. I work at Glasgow Caledonian University. The project I'm working on is called Common Good First. It's an EU-funded project which I'm leading and it involves a consortium of 12 institutions, including ours in Glasgow, ranging from Iceland through Alicante in Europe, and then six universities here in South Africa. Its intention is to connect and showcase social innovation projects in South Africa primarily, but also in Europe, connecting them to each other, into academia for research, learning and civic engagement. And often we hope to companies or individuals who might sponsor or fund projects on an ongoing basis. I'm going to pause there and I'm going to hand over to our Vice-Chancellor, Dr. Sizwe Mabuzela, and ask him to welcome you all. Thank you very much, Dai. Um, colleagues and friends, it gives me immense pleasure to welcome you all to this very special and an exciting event of the launch of the Rhodes University Community Engagement Social Innovation Hub. The activities and initiatives aimed at enhancing digital literacy, digital storytelling workshops, and all the other activities that will be run in this Innovation Hub will bring hope to the many young people of our community. I think what I've seen in this project is the way that civic engagement is such an integral part in South Africa and at South African universities. It's not something that I see in the UK. It's not something that we do nearly at the same level as Di Hornby and her team do here in Grahamstown, Makanda and in other universities. So I think, particularly in South Africa, it is about being an engaged institution and engaging with institutions to share knowledge and to learn new things to, to the benefit of both communities. So one of the things we're doing here is digital storytelling, which is very much about hearing people tell their stories in a place of trust and agency so that their authentic voice can be heard. Uh, my name is Pamela Sandy, and I'm a preschool teacher here in Brownstown. Um, most important for today, I am a social innovator. <laughs> So at the opening of the Social Innovation Hub, Pamela Sundy talked about her recent projects under the sort of broader banner of being a social innovator. Uh, last year, she had actually um, participated in a digital storytelling workshop with me, and she her digital story reflected her very long and arduous and challenging journey to get to the point where she could be proud of her school. I was introduced to us as based development digital storytelling by Kunda Engagement and Jane. <coughs> this training inspired me to find ways to solve our own problems. So and in her presentation to, the, the to everybody sitting in the room, she talked about her latest project, which was coming up with a solution to solve the water crisis for many of the pre-primaries in the town. Yes, we had trouble with water. Um, it was sometimes dirty and other times there was none. So the children were getting sick and then sometimes they didn't come to school. And we had to close our schools altogether because there was no water at all. So what we did, uh, I realized I had to make use of my networks to speed up the process. So I went to see oh, mom died. And then I gave her our proposal. I wrote it myself. 
And she said that she had been given the confidence to do this and the leadership skills to do this through having participated in the beginning in the storytelling workshop, having gone through the process of reflecting, clarifying her thoughts and representing herself in that story made her kind of realize that she had the power to, to be this social innovator. I think what's also very interesting in terms of the next steps for digital storytelling is um, taking the methodology and the module we've developed and using it in academia to develop a module where students have to create a digital story to reflect on what they've learned. So, for example, we're already doing it in our um, occupational health course. Young people, invariably girls, are saying, OK, I, I can't do this. I can't make a video about what I've learned about a particular thing. But they do, and they do it over a number of weeks. And when they do it, they are so proud of it. They don't take essays and dissertations home to show their family. Look what I learned about, you know, the workings of the brain or whatever, but they will show them a three and a half minute film about what they learn and they're so proud of it. So there's something in this about not only telling your story, but the pride in creating something. I have some new project management skills now, yeah, because now uh, I'll be able to test my water tanks and to share with other community members. And I have been part of the digital story circle and have produced my own story and grown a lot personally in the process. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> so right in the beginning, we, we ask them to sign a consent form. They, everybody needs to understand what will happen to their story, but they need to tell us what's going to happen to the story. Are they comfortable with us sharing it publicly? That means putting it onto social media or putting it onto the, the website. That is, the, is going to be the repository for all the digital stories for the Common Good First program. The platform ultimately will be something rather like a Facebook or a LinkedIn where you fill out a template. This is my project. Very open questions. What was the challenge you were trying to address? What did you do to make a difference? What difference have you made or what impact have you made? Very open questions. The cherry on the cake of that is if we have a digital story circle, like the one that we've been doing this week in Grahamstown, where there will be a film which represents that in an, a richer format. So actually one of the core principles of this practice is that the storyteller is the owner of the story and it's completely their choice as to what happens to the story. So one of the reasons it's not a more public, popular practice is that very often people don't choose to tell their stories. Um, and it's really important that they retain that choice. So you'll find some people are very happy to tell the world and they want to put the story out there. And other people will say, mm, this is just for me or just for my family. And that is, that is their right. And we have to be very careful about maintaining that. One thing I was sure of was that I was not going to do it for myself, that I was going to keep it I knew that I was not going to do that. I knew that I wanted to share that story with other people as well. There are many people out there who are going through or who will go through the same thing, you know. So um, it's a matter of um, get, getting your motivation wherever you get it and um, try to find way past or whatever issue that you might be going through.
So I knew then that I will not do it for myself, but I will do it for other people as well. It took me quite a while to realize that this is actually more about the process. The story circle process is something that is, it's a magnificent process. It's universalizing, it's leveling. It doesn't matter who is in that story circle, be they an academic or a community site partner or a student. It has the same effect on people, which is this tremendous human interconnectedness that is so evident. Funny, because there is a kind of alchemy that comes out of it. I've done digital stories as a participant and I've done them as a facilitator. And I think it's about the fact that you build, usually in a quite a short and intense period of time, you build a small community who are hearing stories that sometimes the individuals are not even telling to anybody else in their family or immediate circle. So it's a place of real sharing. It did help me because I had dreams of going to university and I was going to be the first person but unfortunately this happened and I blame myself for it so now it was a chance to go back and rectify all my wrongs and um, tell myself that it's not the end of the world you can still do it you know and the, the age must it's no longer a problem you can still continue with education just a matter of confronting your fears and making sure that you know what you're going after I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I'm flying without wings. The whole methodology comes from something called Story Center, but the phrase they use absolutely sums it up, and that is, listen deeply, tell stories. So it talks about that process of listening, supporting, collaborating, and then telling your story. And I think that can work on so many different levels of our community in our world that I think it will make a difference. hear other podcasts in this series, search for Engagement in Action on iTunes or go to ru.ac.za forward slash community engagement.